That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Caixin Cynical Business Brief, brought to you by China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada is down with laryngitis this week and will hopefully be back next week. Coming as a surprise to most analysts, China's economic growth stabilized in the first quarter of 2019 as market confidence recovered on the back of policy support and progress in Sino-U.S. trade war negotiations. Government-driven infrastructure investment seems to have been part of this growth. That investment grew at the fastest pace seen in about a year. The economic momentum will likely reduce the urgency for policymakers to introduce further stimulus. And that's a good thing, because worries were mounting about the effects Beijing's stimulus policies were going to have, particularly in undermining the country's crackdown on financial risks. China's stimulus measures may increase corporate debt and reverse progress made in deleveraging the economy, according to a recent OECD report. The IMF raised similar concerns in April. The world's second-largest economy has taken a series of pro-growth measures over the past months. The world's second-largest economy has taken a series of pro-growth measures over the past months to bolster slowing growth and mitigate trade war pressures. Those measures include a string of bank reserve requirement cuts, fiscal stimulus through tax cuts, and more infrastructure spending. And despite this stimulus cooling, China is still considering new subsidies to encourage household purchases of home appliances as part of a policy package designed to expand domestic consumption. The central government subsidies would apply when purchases of home appliances, including refrigerators, washing machines, air conditioners, and televisions, meet certain energy consumption and environmental criteria. Subsidies for a single item would be as much as 13% of a product's price tag, but no more than $120 per item, according to a document from a top industry policy-setting body viewed by Caixin. Bad news for anyone born in China after 1980, the country's pension system is expected to run dry well before that generation retires in 2035. According to a report released this month by the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, the money that has been accumulating in China's pension funds will fall to zero in 2035 after peaking in 2027. 
In China, most provinces top up their own pension funds by taxing workers' wages, though last year the central government created a separate pool of money to redistribute funds from regions with pension surpluses to those with shortfalls. Without government subsidies, the pension contributions collected this year will not be able to cover the country's pension obligations. In 2050, the annual balance is expected to fall into an enormous deficit. Through subsidies, the government can put off the pension deficit, but that won't change the fact that the current system is running out of money. More details have emerged in the new civil lawsuit brought against Chinese billionaire Richard Liu by the woman who accused him of rape last year. According to the court filing obtained by Caixin, the female plaintiff has accused the founder of Chinese e-commerce giant JD.com of civil assault and battery, false imprisonment, and sexual assault and rape. She is also suing JD.com for vicarious liabilities. The woman filed a civil case in court in Minnesota last week, almost four months after prosecutors in the state decided against charging Richard Liu. Minnesota prosecutors said they had decided not to press felony rape charges against Liu because of insufficient evidence, concluding a three-month review of the closely watched case. Prosecutors said they had concerns about proving the case beyond a reasonable doubt. While that is the burden of proof for a criminal conviction in the U.S., civil cases have a lower burden of proof. Speaking of the leaders of tech giants, Lei Jun, the CEO of phone and home electronics maker Xiaomi, may have received compensation worth over 330 times that handed to Tencent's head last year. Xiaomi did not put an exact figure on Lei's remuneration package in its first annual report after going public, but said it might have been worth up to two billion dollars. The filing said Lei received more than 600 million shares as a bonus last year. Based on the company's share price, that bonus itself would be worth around one billion dollars. The bonus was in recognition of his contributions to the company. Lei's package was much larger than those paid out to his peers at some other Chinese tech companies last year. Pony Ma, CEO of social media and entertainment giant Tencent, received a compensation package worth about 5.7 million dollars last year. The president of personal computer giant Lenovo Group, Yang Yuanqing, received a total compensation package worth 19 million dollars last year. Let's turn, as we do each week, to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors for a look at some of the stories they focused on this week. First up is Jingxuan Tang, reporter for Caixin Global. Jingxuan, it's been a couple of months. You have an interesting piece you want to talk about this week about internet anger over some potentially abusive behavior that was that was discovered online.、Uh, can you tell us what's going on? The story is that. The Chinese internet has been criticizing and debating the child modeling industry recently. After a video went viral showing a three-year-old model being physically abused, being kicked by her mother during a photo shoot. After the video went viral, 110 stores on Taobao issued a statement condemning the use of images that quote harm the interests of child models and. Our colleagues visited a town called Zhilizhen in Zhejiang Province, that's at the center of China's children's apparel industry, where most of this modeling is taking place. Okay, so you guys went out to this town of child models, and and what did you find there? 
Well, first, I'll give you some background on the city. Jilijun used to be mainly focused on manufacturing children's clothing. They accounted for more than half of all children's clothing sold in China in 2017, and that's 1.3 billion items of clothing. But recently, with the rise of e-commerce, a lot of the middlemen that would have been between the manufacturers and, the, say, the department stores elsewhere in the country have been cut out of the process, and a lot of manufacturers are selling directly to customers on Taobao or WeChat, for instance. That means that they now have to take care of a lot of the marketing and packaging end of the business, and that's where the child models come in. So what's happened is that there's been an influx of children and parents who hope to make money from their children, because this can be quite lucrative. There are reports of the most successful models earning 2,000 yuan per day, it's $300, and that's a lot more than many of their parents can ever hope to earn. So there's a combination of the demand from the manufacturers who suddenly have to market directly to consumers, and then there's people who want to make money off their children. So Jingxuan, can just any child be a child model, or is there some system or some selection criteria? There are a few requirements. To be a successful child model, you have to have thick eyebrows and big eyes and paler skin, which is something that's marketed pretty heavily in China. So is this something that's formalized somewhere, or just something that you've observed? So this is what industry sources have told us, but also if you just look on Taobao, look at all the images of the children advertising the clothes, there's a particular look. It's pale, big eyes. Okay, so wrapping up and circling back to this video uh, that emerged online of this abusive mother, how problematic is this nascent industry, and how much of an impact has this video had? So the viral video drew attention to this industry and has caused a lot of people on social media in China to ask if it's appropriate for parents to make their children work, to perform for money. Chinese media have asked if this essentially makes them like circus animals, if you can treat children like that. But I also think another issue that isn't getting quite as much attention is that the standards of beauty and the aesthetics involved in this industry can be quite problematic and is part of a bigger trend in marketing where certain unrealistic ideals are imposed, in this case, on children. Well, great, Jingxuan, and thanks for talking to us. We'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Thank you, Kaiser. Next up is Doug Young, Managing Editor of Tyson Global. Doug, we're going to talk about the e-commerce titan Amazon, one of the world's biggest companies, and uh, what's going on with them in China. So tell us what's happening there, Doug. Yeah, Amazon is making headlines here in China. Reuters actually broke the story, but it's uh, it's pretty big news. Um, they're basically shuttering what some might call, I guess, their core e-commerce business. And this would be the e-commerce business, which is essentially selling Chinese products to Chinese consumers. A lot of that is happening from third-party merchants who were opening up shops on Amazon's China platform to sell to other Chinese consumers. And Amazon just decided, hey, we've been doing this a while. We're not gaining any traction. Let's cut this off while we, while we can. And the backstory really is is China has just become a two-player market for this particular segment of the market. Uh, and this is, again, we're talking sort of domestically sourced products being sold to domestic consumers in China. 
Uh, and of course, it's dominated by Alibaba and JD.com. Alibaba has something like 50% of the market and, and JD has like another 20, 30%, which leaves 10, 15%, but for you know a pretty crowded field. And Amazon only had like less than 1% of that market. They were, they were doing really badly. And it's a bit surprising because they've actually been in China for a long time. They've been here for 15 years. But they just never were able to gain that traction. And this is them finally saying, let's get out of this business. It's not going anywhere fast. And, you know, it's going to be a long, long time before we'll be able to compete with Alibaba and JD. So are they leaving the China market completely then? No, this is like a very strategic move by them. They're basically taking a look at all of their different businesses and saying, what do we got that works? What do we got that doesn't work? Clearly, the one, you know, this domestic service was one that didn't work. But they do have a few other pieces that do work, and they're going to focus on those. One, they're going to keep selling the Kindle e-readers in China, and presumably they'll support the Kindle store. Another thing they're going to keep doing is is cloud services, because that's an area where they're really strong in China. The main other area that they're going to keep is international e-commerce. And this is really, you know, where Amazon has a, a natural strength. They've got all these units all over the world. Amazon operates in, in most major countries. So they can supply a lot of uh, foreign clothing, foreign medicinal supplements, milk formula is a a popular thing. So they're going to keep their cross-border business open. And that's actually becoming an increasingly important part of the business anyhow, because as Chinese become more affluent, they can afford more expensive stuff. And a lot of Chinese don't exactly trust made in China stuff anyhow. So, you know, this is a this is a pretty growing market and, and this is an area where Amazon has a natural strength anyways and they actually have a pretty decent share of the market. I think it's like 6 or 7%. Doug, thanks for the update and we will talk to you next week. All right, thanks Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to the laryngitis-stricken Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca network and be sure to follow the news from China every day at subchina.com. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.